Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. All right, morning everybody. Brand new podium this morning. Get to take this baby for a test ride. It's heavy too. It's nice. I like the design team, what they've done, and the lights. I thought that was pretty with the fall colors. Looks good. Thanks, design team. Thanks, King Band that was up here this morning. Great job. This morning we have a special Sunday. And uh, Joe mentioned at announcements the reason it's a special Sunday is because four or five times per year um, when a Sunday falls on the fifth week of the month, uh, we we like to integrate our our children from the Kids Cove over into the main service and give them a little taste of what we do over here. And uh, in, in doing that, a lot of Fifth Sundays we have baptisms that happen on that Sunday. This Sunday we don't have any baptism, but but we still want to bring the kids over, give them a taste of the main service. And um, and when we do that, we, the pastors, like to, to try to... Um, Remember, the, the kids are here, and so it's not a children's message, but we want to try to speak to, to the children as well as the adults. We want to try to speak to everybody on these Sundays. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking how, how the Lord Jesus used parables. He used stories to get spiritual truths across. And in those stories, he, he used um, some interesting characters so he, he used people like the, the persistent uh, widow, the good Samaritan, the prodigal son and his, his proud brother, um, the ten virgins, the unforgiving servant. He used all kinds of different characters to, to get these spiritual truths across. And so I thought since Jesus did that, I want to do that. And since we have a lot of kids in here this morning, um, I thought I would enlist some help from the children closest to me. So I asked my four children, if they would help me figure out a way to do that, and, uh, and they did. We, we spent Friday evening coming up with some ideas, and um, let me just uh, let me introduce you to our characters this morning that are going to help get these spiritual truths across. Uh, Gannon, you have that first video. So these are the characters in our modern day parable.
Dirty Daffy is often caught in the transgression of stealing food from the garbage can, that is. And she has no shame either. She just takes it out. All right, so we'll be seeing more of these characters, kids. I hope they help us understand the spiritual truths in our passage today. The title of our message this morning is Comparing Creates Pride. And pride is when it's all about you. Comparing creates pride. Let's look at our passage this morning. And and, uh, we need to remember as we look at our passage, Galatians 3, 5, and 6, that it comes in the context of Galatians, I'm sorry, Galatians 6, 5, 3 through 5. It comes in the context of Galatians 6, 1 and 2. So let's review a little bit with those verses so we can keep our passage in that context. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 tells us, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... And we talked about how that means that someone has crossed the boundary line that God has given, and they're caught over there. They're kind of stuck in this sinful pattern. If anybody is like that, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We talked about those two verses over the last two weeks. And so we need to remember that in the context, we're talking about helping to restore those people. And Paul is speaking to those who are spiritual, those who aren't caught on the other side of the posted fence of God's Word, but those who are trying to help them. And so in these verses, Paul gives those people a caution. He wants them to do it in the right way, and he tells them how in verses 3-5. through He says, For... If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So these verses can be a little bit difficult to understand at first. It's talking about boasting in yourself and... uh, we're going to talk about that and explain what that means. But for now, let's, let's remember that these verses are assuming two different categories of Christians. There are those Christians who are caught in a transgression, and there are those Christians who Paul refers to as spiritual, those ones who are called to help to restore them and get them back onto the path of righteousness in a spirit of gentleness. So what I'd like to do with these three verses, Galatians 6, 3-5 through 5 this morning, just to help us to be able to, to take our time and work through them slowly, is to break them up into three key points. Uh, we'll have point one, and we'll talk about each one of these. Point one, don't be like Mr. Proud. We're keeping it pretty simple here, um, but we can all benefit from, from this point. That comes from verse three. Point, four, uh, point two from verse four is watch your own lane. And we'll talk about that. And verse 5 will be illustrated by point 3. Follow the three-finger rule. We'll see what that is when we get to verse 5. So I I know we probably all, kids, you've probably seen somebody kind of like Mr. Proud in the video. 
We've probably seen some people like that. We may have seen ourselves act like that at times. And God doesn't like that. God doesn't want us to act like that. And there's a lot in the Bible that tells us that. But verse 3 is, is pretty clear. God's telling us not to be like that in verse 3 when he says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And we saw Mr. Proud in the video say, you know, I, I, I'm, I think that I'm something. And we're going to see a little bit more from Mr. Proud here under point one, don't be like Mr. Proud. I got some, some candid, candid footage of Mr. Proud last night because I happen to, happen to live with the character that plays him. And so uh, let's play this little clip of Mr. Proud last night. So Mr. Proud, he, he, I don't know if you can hear it, he said, I'm just in a different league than them. I'm something special. And that illustrates the pride that, that we can have at times when we compare ourselves, like he was doing, with people who are struggling in a transgression. We can, we can become like that at times. It seems like at times there might be a little bit of a Mr. Proud in all of us. I, uh, I was thinking about this and remembered... Uh, at, at, in a, during a couple of the classes that I taught teenagers in over the years here at the church, um, I love teaching teenagers, and uh, we would sometimes play this game called Would You Rather. Any of you guys play Would You Rather before? It's kind of a fun game, and it, it helps you to think about thoughtful responses and answers to certain questions. And we, ask, we would ask things like, Would you rather be poor? with a lot of friends, or be rich with no friends. So it's questions like that, and the teenagers would, would have to think about how they would answer that question and why they would, why they would answer that way in the class. Sometimes we would ask, uh, I would ask this question, would you rather have the superpower to be able to read everyone's mind or to be invisible? How many would, how many would take invisible? Um, that makes me wonder about all of you. Why would you want to be invisible? What, no, what about reading others' minds? I guess the rest of you would take that. Wow, that would be depressing, I think. I don't know if I would want that. But it's a fun game, and when you get into this mind-reading lane in that game, it, it, it starts to get pretty real pretty quickly. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. Um, what if you had, all right, we'll do a would you rather here. Would you rather lose the ability to speak for the rest of your life, not be able to say anything ever, or have a speaker like that followed you around like a loudspeaker that, that like blasted every single thought out in high volume that you ever thought? We'll put a projector on there too. It's like projecting all of your... Everything you think about, everybody now knows it. Which, would, would you rather not speak? Or I think most of us would rather not speak. And uh, we were dealing with this in one of the classes, and, and one of the kids said, um, they, they were saying something about, well, we already have some kids who already do that. They already kind of project every thought they have. <laughs> and so we're trying to work on that. 
But if you think about it, if that happened, and we all had this speaker that projected every thought we ever had, we, we might have a little bit of Mr. Proud coming out at times in all of us. We might all be tempted to compare ourselves and look down on others and, and judge them in a, in a critical way. And I think God wants to address that part of our, of our remaining flesh today. He wants to help us weed that part of us out. And um, he wants to give us a gospel-based assessment of ourselves through these verses. A gospel-based assessment of ourselves. What does that mean? The way I think we can best understand that idea of having a gospel-based assessment of ourselves compared to others is is illustrated in Luke 18 when Jesus talked about two people, one of them very much like Mr. Proud. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, Jesus said this, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Jesus said, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, in this parable, one of the men was justified and the other was not. One of the men was was saved and the other was not. And if you're not saved, I would remind you that Jesus has salvation for you today, for eternal life, but also to free you from the snare of pride that, that we're all, we're, we can all get caught up in. In our passage that we're looking at in Galatians, it would be the equivalent of this that happens in the church at times, where sometimes we compare ourselves with others. And God tells us in the passage that we're, we're in in Galatians how to have a gospel-based self-assessment. Because we're all, we're all in the same league, and Jesus is the only one in another league. Mr. Proud in the video, he said, I'm just in a different league than them. And we might be tempted to think that at times. We might, we might look down, you might look down on people who are, are, are caught, other Christians who are caught in a particular sin, and you might be tempted to think, I'm just in a different league than them. Well, verse 3 says that if you think that, you're deceived. Anyone who thinks he's something is deceived. I used an illustration a, a year or two ago, that I, another one that I did with the teens in a class. We talked about, we got this from an author of a book we were reading, Jeff Bethke. And he talked about this idea of jumping to Hawaii. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but the idea was if we all decided we're going to line up on the west coast of California and we're going to have a contest on the shore, to see who can jump to Hawaii. And we all ran, and we all jumped as far as we could, 
And maybe I jump 12 feet and someone else jumps 8 feet. Well, in the perspective of jumping the 2,400 miles from California to Hawaii, that's nothing. So if I'm all proud of myself and I think I'm really something because like, I jumped farther than anyone else by a couple feet, isn't that ridiculous? Jesus is the only one in a spiritual sense who could even make that jump. And not only that, but He is so far beyond us, that comparison fails. You know, I was thinking when the NASA guy was here and he was talking about how it would take, if you were traveling at the speed of light, 100,000 miles, I think, or 100,000, no, at the speed of light, I think it takes 100,000 years just to get outside of our little galaxy, of which there are many. I mean, the contest, the comparison between us and Jesus when it comes to righteousness is beyond even the universe. And so when we compare ourselves with ourselves and we start thinking that we're something, spiritually speaking, we're deceived. That's what verse 3 says. Anybody who thinks he's something when he is nothing deceives himself. We, uh, we don't want to be deceived. Point two helps us understand this a little more clearly as it gets into verse four. Point two is watch your own lane. Watch your own lane. The reason I called it this, I think it complements verse four, but I was thinking about sprinters. I was in track and field in high school, and I wasn't in track. I was in the field part. I was a thrower, but I had a lot of friends who were sprinters. I like to watch the Olympics, and you see these sprinters running for very short distances, very fast. And I can remember times, uh, both in high school and on TV, when I was watching the Olympics, where, where somebody who was really fast, who could win the race, stopped thinking about themselves running that race and started comparing themselves to everyone else. And when you're in a short race and you're running that fast, if you turn your head to look where everyone else is, they just fly by because that slows you down. And so spiritually, it's not a competition, but spiritually speaking, if we tend to be comparing ourselves with everyone else for the purpose of inflating our ego and feeding this superiority complex idea that Mr. Proud has, then spiritually, we're going to hinder ourselves and we're going to slow ourselves way down. So the idea of verse 4 is the idea of watching your own lane. It says in verse 4, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. This verse can be really confusing because it's like it's telling us to almost be selfish and look at our own lives. And it's even saying to boast in yourself. We'll talk about that means in a little bit, but we've got to remember the context. The context here is a spiritual Christian who's not struggling, helping a Christian who is struggling. And there is that tendency that Paul's addressing. He addressed it in verse 1. Watch yourselves lest you too be tempted because there's that tendency to compare yourself and become proud. And he's giving us the prescription for that 
when we start feeling little Mr. Proud rise up in our hearts and comparing ourselves to one another. He tells us exactly what to do in that moment that we begin to feel that way when he says, but let each one test his own work. That's what we do at that very moment. We take our eyes off the competition and we get our eyes back in to the lane of, of looking at our own lives. This word test, this, this word test, when, it's, when it says, but let each one test his own work. The word test in the original language is dokizamo, and it means to really scrutinize critically. It's actually the word in Scripture when it, it's the word for judge, when it tells us not to judge others. It's interesting that we're supposed to do this to ourselves, but we're not allowed to do it to others. It's the idea of looking very critically at someone's life and scrutinizing every detail of it. We're supposed to do that to ourselves. As a matter of fact, Paul told the Corinthians, if you did that to yourselves, you would have saved a lot of your own problems that you got yourselves into. But we're not supposed to do it to others. And if, we'd had to, if we have time, had time, we would look at all of those verses. There are so many. But take my word for it, we're not to judge others in that way. Now, we could do a whole message on judging. Because when I say that, when I say that, I've, I've recently, you know, heard teens say things like, don't judge me, whenever someone's trying to gently correct or restore them. Well, there's a way to, there, God says, judge with righteous judgment. We are commanded to judge, but not this kind. So I don't want to get off on a tangent, but there's a whole message on that. The idea here is this is a critical scrutiny. If you are the fault finder, this is telling you, find it. you got enough fault with yourself to find. Find those faults. Work on those. Don't be the fault finder that finds everybody else's faults like Mr. Proud in the video. That's what this word means. But let each one test his own work. And, you know, I, I've seen, I think this is true, that the most critical people are often the most stressed out people. And so if you want to have peace, this is also a great way to do it. Have peace by looking at your own life rather than being busy with what everyone else is doing. Now, again, in context, we have to remember this is actually a call to get involved in the lives of other people. But we have to remember we're called to do it in the right way. This is telling us the wrong way. This is telling us this is a correction for the Mr. Prouds of the church. And God's saying, wait a minute. Look at your own life. Let's test our own life. You know, this idea of staying in your own lane. Um, again, the, the Olympics are a great illustration for a lot of spiritual truths. You remember Michael Phelps, probably the most decorated Olympian ever? We have a, a picture here that I found of him in a race. I think it was a sprint. And this just shows what we're talking about. See, Phelps was always into not really competing with everyone else, but just working to his own potential. And this other guy, I think it's Chad Laclosse, I think it's his name, he is shown in this picture looking at Phelps, and he fell behind at that, at that second when he looked over. And that, that happens. That happens with us when we compare ourselves. 
And, and, you know, just another great illustration from Phelps that we can apply spiritually. I found this quote when he was asked about this. He was asked about his successful career. He said in this quote, he said, I stayed in my lane. I can't control what other people do. So for me, I always worried about myself and what I needed to do, and it worked. Our greatest competition, spiritually speaking, is ourselves. We are our own ally, but we are also our own worst enemy. And we have a lot to work on. But the good thing about being our own worst enemy is we, we know all of our own weaknesses. And God gives us the power and the ability by His Spirit to overcome every one of them. I was just talking with uh, Frank Farah, member of our church and usher, this morning. And uh, he gave me another idea, idea to illustrate this point as we were just talking about football games this past weekend. Um, watched a great game, watched two great games this weekend, but one of them uh, featured Michael McCracken um, and uh, Homer Center player here. And it was, it was a great game. Homer Center played Portage, both ranked top 10 in the state. And uh, I'm not one to, like, I don't like to complain about officiating. But it kind of came up because Frank Farah is, he's been a, a PIAA official for 35 years. And uh, I was telling him how Michael had an awesome game, but the one, it went into overtime. It was a close game. But it, might, it maybe shouldn't have been that close because the one touchdown that Portage got, there's Michael defensive end, comes flying in. And he's going to just sack that guy in the backfield. And he gets grabbed a hold of and tackled. And that's a hold. That's a penalty. So I was telling Frank, I said, it was like that official didn't even see it. He was standing right there. And Frank told me, Frank said, that, that can happen. He said, it's like this. Every, every official has, has their own sort of lane or box on the field that they need to watch, that that's their responsibility. And he said, it's so hard to keep your eye in that lane because there's a football game going on and you want to watch the ball, you want to watch where it goes, and, and you, you take your eye out of your area of responsibility for just a second and you might miss something. And it's like that spiritually too. It's like that when we compare ourselves spiritually with everyone else, and we take our eye out of our own lane. This is a call. This is a call to, to scrutinize yourself. Get your eye back in your own lane. Test your own work. And then your reason to boast, his reason to boast, it says, will be in himself alone. This, um, this idea of boasting in yourself alone. It's, uh, it's the idea of having a clear conscience. It's the idea of when you do this, when you test yourself against what the Lord is leading you in the area of responsibility the Lord is leading you to live. And you measure yourself not against other people but against how you're doing if you can isolate it to that, then this word boast, it can also mean rejoice. It's also like that idea of rejoicing 
And it's not bad to be rejoicing in the idea that you have a clear conscience. We'll talk about that a little more. But let me show you uh, how Mr. Proud would illustrate this idea. Play uh, video three if you would, please, Hannah. Look at her gossiping. I would never do that. And she calls herself a Christian? Okay, thank you. Um, so it's like this idea of, I, I would never do that. Again, God tells us in verse 1, keep watch on yourselves. We're all temptable. And we need to have that idea. We need to remember that idea. Matthew 7, 3, Jesus makes this very clear in his parable in Matthew 7, 3, where we'll compare, if you would put up that slide, that compares verse 4 with Matthew 7, 3. Our verse on the top, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. This is the idea. Matthew 7, 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? God's simply calling us to test, to, to test ourselves and whittle away that own log of pride that may be in our own eye so that then we can actually see to help our brothers and sisters, which is what we're called to do in this passage. So that log, that pride, is, is a far bigger problem oftentimes than the concerns of the proud people, the specks that the proud people are noticing all of the time. So God's calling us there to, to get that log out of our eye. One more thing about this idea of boasting in yourself, because I know that can be confusing. It's like we're only called to boast in the Lord. Why is he saying then you can boast in yourself? Paul says in, in Acts chapter 24, verse 16, he says, I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. I always take pains. He's saying, I, this is very important to me, and sometimes it hurts to not do the things that I want to do or to do the things that I know I need to do but I don't want to do. And I take pain so that I can have a clear conscience so that at the end of the day when my head hits my pillow, I can go to sleep knowing that I didn't cross those boundary lines and get hung up over there. I'm still on the path of righteousness. Now, we all mess up and we all sin, but this is... This is the idea of knowing that you're not hanging out. You're not stuck in a transgression. You're not living in a particular area of sin. And one of the worst areas is pride. But that's the one that so often we don't see when we become judgmental and compare ourselves with everyone else. Paul's saying, I take pains to have a clear conscience. And then in 2 Corinthians 1.12, he says this, for, for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience. It's not wrong to rejoice in having a clear conscience. Now, Paul's not telling you go around and tell everyone else, my conscience is better than yours, and do it in a boastful way like that, because that would be reverting back to what he's telling us not to do and comparing ourselves to everyone else. This is the idea of staying in our own lane and comparing ourselves with ourselves 
and doing the things that God has called each of us individually to do and not doing the things that God has called each of us individually to not do. And if our eyes are in our own lane and we're doing what the Lord says, and by the way, you can do what the Lord says. Because God's Word is true. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear, but with every temptation He will make a way of escape. And so there is never an excuse to sin. And so all of us, in our own lanes, should be able to have a clear conscience that we're doing what God's told us to do. And I know we're not Jesus. But if we're focusing on our own lanes, we can walk in the power of Jesus and have that clear conscience and boast in our own lane to ourselves. All right, I did it. That's what he's saying. It's a good thing to do that. I did it in the power of the Lord. Paul says in the book of Colossians, I think it's the last verse of chapter 1, for this I toil and struggle with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. So we, we play a part in this. And we're called here to do this. The last point is very similar, but it comes from verse 5. It's about <clears throat> refocusing, again, on our own walk when we're tempted to simply compare. Uh, Miss Mature Christian has some advice for us in video number 4, the last video. A gossip and a liar. See that Miss Mature, she's on the ball. She did what we're called to do. She's restoring someone with the spirit of gentleness. And the way she did it was she used that idea of, of when you point at someone, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. And that actually is very similar to what Paul's saying here. Verse 5 says, For each will have to bear his own load. Now, when you read this as a whole, like I said, this goes with verses 1 through 5, and so when you read it as a whole, we read in verse 2 that we're called to bear one another's burdens. Now compare that. Bear one another's burdens, but each one is called to bear his own load. Well, what does that mean? Is that a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction because the word load is a different word than the word burden in verse 2. The word load was often used to describe in that age, it was, it was a military word, and it was used to describe the specific duties that each soldier was accountable for or responsible for. <clears throat> it's kind of like what, what Frank said about officiating. Your area of responsibility, your particular area, not his, not hers, not theirs, your area of responsibility that God has given you in your life is your load. 
We are all called to bear our own load, to stay in our own lane. And when we're tempted, when we're tempted to to point at other people and criticize them, and again, there's a way to help other people, but when we're tempted to point and criticize, we can take mismanner or miss not mismanners, mismature Christians' advice that there's always three fingers pointing back at us to remind us that we are called and responsible to bear our own load. You know, as I preach, I always think there's the Bible is a big book, and there's a lot of different variables in these kind of ideas. You know, the Proverbs tell us, for example, that we should look at people who are the scoffer or people who are living in a way contrary to God's Word when we're training our children. And we should tell them, that's wrong. In that way, you can point your finger because you're not criticizing them judgmentally. You're telling your children, that's wrong. This happened uh, last night at a football game. I was with my son, Abe. And there was a guy who was like five feet away from us, standing up, yelling profanities uh, to the officials. Sorry, Frank. I know you guys take a lot of heat. But I, and he was this guy was really heated, and he was out of control, and he was criticizing everything. And I said to Abe, that's a scoffer. That's from the book of Proverbs that, that we talked about. That's a scoffer right there. That's not wrong. This isn't saying don't point things out. This is saying don't point them out in that judgmental, comparing yourself to them way. If I said, hey, that's a scoffer, I would never do that. We are so much better than him. That would cross the line. But it's not wrong to point things out. So we can get off on all kinds of rabbit trails, but I thought I need to, I need to point that out. This is telling us, though, this is telling us, let me get off on one more rabbit trail, just because... I know there's teenagers in here, and I know this is a tendency for teenagers. Teenagers, if you hear this message and your parents correct you, or your parents even come across strong in correcting you, you're still under their roof. You're still a child, and I know that might sound mean, but if you're depending on them and you're living in their house... You can't say, Mr. Mundorf said, you're not allowed to do that to me. No, they have every right to correct you because they're your parents. And if you want to not be under that correction, then you need to probably go and support yourself. So I can just see a lot of different things happening with a message like this. And there's probably a lot more that I'm not going to think about right now, but maybe the Lord will bring them to my mind. We're going to wrap it up, though, bringing it back in to the idea of comparing Comparing creates pride. I don't know of a better passage of Scripture than Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 13, to get this idea across. And uh, let me just read this. Romans 14, 10 through 13. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? That's this kind of judgment that we're talking about. Or you, why do you despise your brother? Again, this is in the church. These are people who you would rank lower than you in holiness. For, here's his reason not to do that. For we 
will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. By the way, this judgment that he's talking about here isn't the great white throne judgment to determine whether you're saved or not. This is the judgment for believers. This is the judgment where believers are judged for this reason, he's going to tell you. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. If you can get that idea that each of us are going to have to give an account of ourselves, our own lives, our own load to God, and we will, not to determine whether we're saved, but just because God said it has to happen, it has to happen. It will determine rewards and loss of rewards and things like that, but the idea, I mean, think of it, we don't know the gravity of that right now. When we are standing before God, see, this is where the idea of the fear of the Lord comes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to have it because you, me, each of us individually will give an account before the Lord of not how we compare. God doesn't grade on a curve. It doesn't matter if you're the best one in this church, morally speaking. It doesn't matter if you're the best one in your family. It doesn't matter how you compare to everyone else. Because God has given you your own life, your own responsibility, and you will answer for how well you've lived that life in His lane, in His power. And so, this scripture just is eye-opening in a lot of ways, but especially when I find myself thinking like Mr. Proud, looking down on others. It's not about them. It's about what am I doing? Am I living my life to my God-given potential? We're going to skip that last passage, uh, Gannon. And by the way, let me just uh, give props to Gannon O'Hearn running the projector. I had 25 slides today, and that's a load. And Gannon's pretty new at it. He did a great job. Thank you, Gannon. We're going to skip that last slide, but let me that last uh, verse and passage. But let's just end it here. I want to reinforce that main idea that comparing creates pride. Comparing creates pride. Go ahead and put that last one up, Gannon. Comparing creates, creates pride. So remember, we need to, verse 1, watch, watch ourselves, lest we too be tempted. Verse 4, test your own work when you find yourself testing everyone else's. How you doing with that? And verse 5, bear your own load. And then you'll be able to rightly see and rightly help those struggling in your sins. Let me give you one more quick takeaway, just as we think about Miss Mature Christian's three-finger rule about pointing, and you got three pointing back. Here's just a, maybe kids, you can remember this, adults, you can remember this too. You've got three fingers pointing back at you. So what do I do when I find myself pointing at someone, critically judging them? 
Well, I, re I remember I got three pointing back at me, but I can do three things. I can, one, one finger. I can pray. I can pray and ask God to show me where I need to work on myself. And if you do that, you can do this. Number two, finger. You can listen. Because if you ask God to show you, he will. But you need to be open to listening to him and looking for ways in the next day or so that he's going to show you because I guarantee you he will. And, and that third finger can represent the idea of, of confessing this sin to someone else because a lot of times God uses that to help us when we bring our, our sin out into the light, when we bring especially our pride out into the light and we say to someone that we trust, you know, I, I was being proud. Maybe you could pray for me about that. Maybe you could help me if you see anything in me that needs addressed. Those are our three quick takeaways from Miss Mature's three-finger rule. But as we, as we end this morning, I know we all, because none of us are Jesus, we've all got a lot to work on in our lives. And as we're thinking during this last song and, and praying and asking and listening, Let's, uh, let's be open to what the Lord's telling us. I'd like to ask if the, 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 the band could come up. And uh, let's go ahead and have the prayer team come up as well on the sides. I'm going to pray and uh, end this message. And as we sing this last song, let's just be open to the Lord's leading. Father, thank you so much for this word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Father, that even in my feeble efforts to explain it, you are always kind and generous to give us valuable things from your word. I pray that you would do that this morning. pray that you would help something that we each need to stick with us and help us, Lord, so that we can identify when Mr. Proud begins to emerge in our own hearts. Father, we thank you most of all that though we aren't in the same league as Jesus, we've been brought into that league positionally through his death, his resurrection. And I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that finds themselves not understanding any of this because they don't know Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation for that people or those people. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's